Good morning. Um, today we're going to hear from Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20. The Great Commission. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you so much uh, for that. Um, and uh, championship, always good to know that Fulham will be uh, there again the season after next, isn't it? <laughs> kind of encouraging when you're from West London. Um, it is, it's so good to get into this famous passage, this famous passage. And the, uh, what I'd like to do is just take you through it very quickly and then talk about a few reasons why you might actually want to obey Jesus because of who he is and a few reasons you might want to obey him because of who we all are. And then see if we can wrap that up into something sensible in just, just a few minutes. Um, but this story is, is quite exciting. And it, even the, the first words have a resonance to them, if you know the story at all. It begins with, then the 11 disciples. Uh, and how many disciples does every kid who went through Sunday school uh, know there were? It wasn't 11, was it? There were famously 12 disciples. There's only 11 left because Judas one of Jesus's hand-picked chosen guys, has betrayed him. So it's poignant, even this first thing. Eleven of them left. The eleven disciples, they left for Galilee. I don't know if you've ever been to the, to the Holy Land, but the journey up from Jerusalem up to Galilee, it's, it's a two- or three-day trek up a, a fairly dangerous uh, road. But they go up to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go, uh, and they meet him. And it says, when they saw him, and this, again, a lovely little detail, uh, they worshipped him. This is Jesus resurrected after he died and been resurrected. It's not the first time they've seen him, but this is going to be the last time they see him on earth. They worshipped him, but, and the next few words are beautiful for, and might be really helpful to you, but some doubted. <laughs> I mean, isn't that a gift to us? But some doubted. There they are. They're on a mountain where they've already had incredible experiences with him in the past. They've heard him give things like the Sermon on the Mount before. Uh, they're on a mountain with him, and they're seeing him resurrected. And his resurrected body, he could just appear, and they could touch it. He could eat. It wasn't a ghost, but he could just appear in a room behind a locked door. And some of them still doubted. What a, what a gift to us in, in a sort of cynical age. Um, and yet, although he knows they're doubting, and some of them are worshipping, and they're sort of a bit confused, he, he says to them this thing, I have been given, and this again is mind-blowing what he claims, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. All authority. And we're, we're living in a world where people are scrambling after a tiny amount of authority, aren't they? And we've got Putin trying to extend his borders, we've got our own politicians trying to cling on. Some of them are even producing more conflict to try and hold on to different aspects of power. Uh, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. It's not ambiguous. It's not like I'm getting more authority gradually. It's like I actually already own all authority over heaven and earth. And therefore, on the basis of that, I want you to do something for me. 
I want you to go and what he calls make disciples, i.e. create followers or apprentices of me in all the nations and baptize them as a sign of this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If, if you know the Bible well, this is, this is also a bit of a mind-blowing thing. Jesus introduces the Trinity here at the end of Matthew 28. He's saying, when you baptize someone, don't just do it in the name of God. Baptize them also in my name. I'm a key part of this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then, this is what I want you to do with these apprentices. I want you to... So anyone, anyone got any apprentices that they work with at church? Anyone got an apprentice scheme or an intern scheme? Um, we, we've had a few down the years, uh, apprentices working with us, I think about 30-odd now. Um, not always smooth sailing with apprentices, <laughs> interns. Some of them is like crash and burn. Some of them go on to stellar things. Um, but with these apprentices, uh, teach these new apprentices to obey all the commands I've given you. Obey. It's the heart of his final message. Teach them to obey. And we're going to come back to that. And then he gives this reassurance. And be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. He's about to disappear. And he says, I'm with you, even though I disappear. And you're going to be picking up how he's with you in the following weeks as you look at the Holy Spirit and how he can be with us more fully by the Holy Spirit than just being there on the mountainside. But this Jesus, he wants people to obey him. And he says he's got all authority. And we don't really see that all authority at work completely now, do we, on earth? In fact, it looks a bit of a mess. Uh, Ukraine pipped us to the vote last night, um, rightly, um, because it's a mess, isn't it? And we're globally sympathetic with the crisis in Ukraine. And it probably would have been travesty if the UK won Eurovision. <laughs> it's just too big a leap, isn't it, from zero to, to first. Second feels about, about incredible. Um, but it's a mess. Where's your authority? Why is it not panning out right now? Is this, I mean, is this what Jesus wants? Does he want it to look like this? <laughs> um, and what, what's the benefit of obedience? Well, the f- answer to the first question is no, this isn't what he wants. This isn't how he wants the world to look. He doesn't want refugees piled up in Uganda. Do you know, do you know there's 1.5 million refugees in Uganda from the surrounding countries in poor parts of Uganda? Uh, when, when I went to Lebanon, there were over 2 million refugees in Lebanon. Tiny country. Tiny country. That's like having 20 million refugees in the UK. That's how many they've taken in, in proportion. Mainly from Syria, from a war that was, uh, you know, at the fault of, uh, of who knows who, but probably Western and international powers as much as anything. Is, is that what Jesus wants? No, it's not what he wants. So why, if he's got all authority... Is he not extending all authority yet? And this is, this is worth a very quick answer, because it's the answer to that question that many of you would have had many times. You know, why is there still a mess in the world, God? Why is there still suffering in the world? Ever, ever had that question? Had it in a pub? Had it on a conversation, an internet chat room? Had it in your own heart? You know, okay, great, we've come to a christening. <laughs> but I can't really buy into it because the world's a mess. So why, if he's got all authority, doesn't he exert it? And the, and the simple answer is this is that when he exerts all authority, that's it. That's the end of it all. And there will come a day where his kingdom will come in full power and it will have no end. But when he's king on the throne, absolutely in power, that's it, full stop. And the problem is, you think, well, that sounds good. The problem is that 
if you want to be in his kingdom, you have to be prepared to be under the authority of the king. And the problem with that is our hearts ain't really that up for being under authority, eh? So let me sort of spell it out. Imagine we're, we're here in a big, long line. And, and you get to the point along the line of who's up for being under the authority of the king? <laughs> and you look along and you go, well, what does it mean to be under the authority of the king? Well, obeying everything I've commanded you. Like, nah. I don't know, any of you got kids? I, I've got kids, like, from the early days. Like, if you say, like, do this, what's their reaction? You know, against it. I... We see it in all our lives, don't we? In workplace, all else. If someone says, do this, it's like we're not, we're not really into being told what to do. Even if it's someone as amazing as King Jesus saying, do this. And part of the problem for that is that there's a battle going on in our own lives. St. Paul put it like this. He said, that the good I want to do, that, that's the stuff I can't do. And the evil stuff I don't want to do, that's the stuff I keep on doing. I just can't stop doing the stuff I don't want to do. And if King Jesus lined us all up in that line and said, right, those of you who can obey me, you're in. The problem is that if you look in your heart and go, could I obey him? Could I follow his rules exactly to be in his kingdom? The the only honest answer is no, I'm, I'm really not able to do that. I can't obey perfection. Put it another way. Imagine that his heaven is like a beautiful aquarium with just clear water. Can you, can you do that? Can you, can you see those beautiful fish swimming around? I went to San Francisco once, and uh, they have one of those amazing sea aquariums. It's gorgeous. Uh, and then imagine that your life and my life is like, um, like this, a, a cup. And maybe it starts out with fairly clear water. Maybe it doesn't. You can argue about that if you like sin and kids and that sort of thing. But it doesn't take long before you start going, is it just clear water I want? Or is it some of I did it my way as well? And you sort of grab the dross from here or you sort of gradually do the whole, you know, I mean, one of the Ten Commandments is, is, is about honoring your mother and father. <laughs> it doesn't take too long for that one to go wrong, does it? One of them is about coveting your neighbor. Uh, it doesn't take too long to be like, oh, they've got that, I want that. It's our entire system, isn't it? That's what capitalism is. It's about coveting your neighbor um, so that we can, we can have what other people have got. You know, what do we bring to the aquarium? Uh, our hearts are deceitful above all things. One of the, one of the prayers we pray in the Anglican church is, um, we have sinned against you. How does it go? Do you know the words? In thought, in word, in deeds. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbours ourselves. You know, in your mercy, forgive all we... All that stuff. Imagine we're just bringing that to this aquarium. And then we get to the end of days, and each one of us come and go, right, here's my cup. Let me in. Splodge. <laughs> I mean, it's like a David Attenborough show gone wrong, isn't it? Imagine all the plastic waste getting pumped into that divine aquarium. And as the great poet Freddie Mercury once said, uh, who wants to live forever if this is all there is? So the king's coming and all authority is his, but he's not doing that judgment thing yet where he separates the good from bad, the right from wrong. Because when he separates the good from bad, the right from wrong, the problem is, 
if we're holding on to what's wrong? What happens to us? What has to happen to us? All the wrong stuff has to be separated away from the good, doesn't it, to last? So we're, we're in a mess as humans. This is the sort of fundamental Christian message. However good may it, God may have made us in the beginning, we're in a mess. All that stuff in us, it's sort of got us up in knots. It's, it's tying us up. I've just gone into my 40s. Right? It's amazing how much more of a mess I am in my 40s than when I knew everything when I was 20. <laughs> you know, the stuff, the stuff that goes on in my head and my brain, it's like, oh my goodness me, it's terrible. God have mercy. God have mercy. You know, I mean, people want to say, like, imagine, here we've got a nice screen here. Imagine, like, just the bad thoughts from the last week that have gone through your heads let alone your internet browser or whatever, <laughs> goes up on that screen in the middle of the church. How would you feel? Well, God who knows everything knows exactly what a mess we are. And so Jesus says, teach them to obey everything I've commanded. And then they can be, they can be all right. They can be clean. They can be pure. They can be good. You're like, oh my goodness me. So it's, it's about rules, is it? Is that what this Christian thing that we've just signed up to at a baptism is about? Like, if I can obey everything, then I'm in. That sounds like a pretty oppressive religion. And the amazing news is that's not how it works with Jesus. The amazing news is what he does, first of all, is on this cross, with that crown of thorns you've beautifully got there at the back, he takes all of our mess, he takes all of our shame, he takes all of our anger, he takes all of our bitterness, he takes all of those things that churn you up inside, and he basically drinks down your sin. He drinks your sin. He drinks the cup of your life and my life into his beautiful, clear body and then kills it on the cross. He kills it on the cross. And he says that anyone who wants a divine exchange, your life and my life, can have that and come in. Come in for free. You can have his pure cup of water to pour into the aquarium instead of your coffee cup of dregs. That's what the cross does. My life for your life. Your freedom at my cost. But he wants something back from us. And this is why he's asking them to obey. Because he can do the exchange for free anyway. He wants you to live your best life. Your best life. That's what he wants. And according to Jesus in the Bible, you become a slave to whatever you make a habit of doing. You become a slave to whatever you make a habit of doing. And we're all slaves to something. We all get into a pattern, a habit of something. And it gradually, it eats you up, doesn't it? It can hit you at a midlife crisis. It can hit you at retirement. It can hit you at a life-changing moment, but you're like, oh my goodness me, how did I get caught up in this thing? How did this thing bind me up so much? How come I'm not free? And Jesus says, well, you're going to be slave to whatever you obey. And what I'd love you to do is to obey me. And not just your sense of passion or your sense of self or your sense of, I did it my way. Because if you obey me, you'll be free. Now let's just rewind a little bit because that might not make a lot of sense. Who is he that he's worth obeying? Well, have a look at one thing, his kindness. He was Jesus, and if you don't know the story very well, 
I'll tell you one of his little stories. He's off to heal uh, a little girl who's, who's dying. And a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years, who's a social outcast in her society, just touches him as he goes by. And she's instantly healed. Uh, and instead of being pressured by the crowd to go and heal this girl who's dying, who's got acute, immediate needs, he stops to reinstate this woman who's been ostracized by her community because no one will know that she's been healed because it's invisible, it's hidden. And he makes a point of getting her called forward and put into the community again before he goes on to heal the girl who's now dead. Point one, he's kind. And you could choose to obey him just because he's the kindest person who ever lived, but that's not enough. So hold on a second. Because when he gets to that little girl, he's able to go to her and say, little girl, I say to you, rise up and she's rescued from death so you could choose to trust him because he's the lord over death and who gets scared of death tons of us don't we it's one of the reasons covid was so scary we normally don't think about death we we're good at putting it away in nursing homes and hospitals in our society but he's the lord over death he can heal people from from death so you could trust him because he's kind or he's Lord over death or because he's got the ability to heal people or because of the way that he provides for you. You could trust him for any one of these things. But I would say that probably the, the biggest reason to trust him for you is that he knows your name. He knows every hair on your head if you're lucky enough to, to have a, a full head of hair. He knows everything you've done. He knows every place you've been everything going on in you and he still thought it was worth dying for you that's why you should trust him he looked down through eternity and said yeah i'm here for you you're worth it for me to die for it's <laughs> pretty awesome isn't it that's jesus the lord over death the lord over health the provider the healer the comforter the strengthener the perfect guy who knows you and here's a couple of things just about you and me that's worth knowing as well. First thing, we were made really good. <laughs> I don't know how, what your self-image is like when you look in on you, but it says in the Bible that you were made in the image of God. Your ability to relate to the people around you, that lovingness that you can sometimes, sometimes just about attain to. Where you're like, I actually love them for their sake, not just for what I can get out of them. And that comes from the fact that you were made in his image. It doesn't come from the fact that you were the result of natural selection you know a kiss is not just an exchange of chemicals between two people it's a beautiful thing my, my dad was an atheist he got converted when he was doing biology a level because uh, he studied the human eye it's like it's, it's mind-boggling how wonderful this world is you were made in god's image you were made to appreciate it to wonder and to glory in it that's one thing you need to know about you and me you're made well. You're not just a freak accident. You're important. However, God brought it into being over billions of years. And the second thing is that you, me, and everyone have screwed up. It's written into our ancestry. It runs through us. It's not a surprise to God. But you were worth rescuing even as a screw-up. Jesus said, teach them to obey me. Not because he's an oppressive lawgiver. He knew that law could never save anyone. But teach them to obey me because 
if they'll just line up along here and what they do is go, yeah, I'll trust in you, Jesus. That's called faith. I trust you to exchange my rubbish for your glory. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. And faith produces something the Bible says. Faith produces obedience. That's what faith does. If you really trust in Jesus, obedience produces faith. Faith comes from, uh, faith produces obedience. And you'll find that within you, as you say, please, your life for my life, his life comes into you. And you find that almost accidentally, you end up living out a response to his life for you. And you're like, I didn't know I could get that bit right. I didn't know I could forgive my father, my mother, my grandmother, my kid at school who annoyed me. And you might have to forgive them more than once, seven times, 70 times, seven times, Jesus said. Like umpteen times, we might say. You might find that actually trusting God with stuff like your money or your resources, that you don't know where, where that's coming from, but somehow the faith in you causes you to be obedient with those things. And suddenly you're becoming the you that you were always meant to be before this thing called sin scarred you so badly. And the you underneath the scarred you is the you that you've been longing to be all your life. St. Augustine said, your heart is restless until it finds its rest in God. Yeah, we can cover it over with entertainment. We can cover it over with our, our teams, our football, our allegiances. We can cover it over with all sorts of things. But there's going to be something in you restless until it finds its rest in God. And he's sort of going, come on, mate. Come on. You and me. Where do we stand on this? Are you really going to get to the end of your days and go, oh, I did it my way? And just offer that mess. Well, why, why not offer the mess now? <laughs> get on a knee and go, look, all right. Yeah, got it. I've screwed up. <laughs> I can't do this on my own. Flip me, I thought I could give it a good go, but I, but I can't do it. I'm just, frankly, a bit broken inside. You, you, you lived it out. 33 years, you lived it out. Even when they were crucifying you on a cross, you lived it out. I'd love to be the me version that is fused with your life as well. And not just with my mess. Here's my mess. Please give me your life. Thank you for giving me your life. Help me to obey you now. And that's really the whole story of Christianity. It's so far removed from a lot of what we talk about today that it's a long journey, isn't it? His life replacing our rubbish. You may never even have heard that story before. But if there's something in you that's going, I could do a bit of that. Why not do this like old-fashioned thing called prayer? And all it does is you go like this, you go, God, uh, if you're there, <laughs> I'm a bit screwed up. Please give me some of that life the bloke up at the front was talking about. And please let me give you some of the crap that is in my life. Because <laughs> I need a change. And I have to do it for myself. But if there's anything in this Jesus guy, would you please make that real for me today? And if that's something you've never done before, then 
have a crack at it. And if you've done that way, way back, years before, but you're like, I'm not really living this obedience thing anymore. <laughs> it's a good time to come back as well on that and go, actually, it really is only when we're obedient to him that it makes sense. It really is only when we put our feet in his feet, so to speak, walk with him, that it makes sense. Help me to start being obedient. Whatever's been going wrong in my head or heart, whatever details I've taken, help me to obey you now. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thanks so much for listening. Appreciate that. And um, enjoy the rest of the service.